Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Okay, so get your Bible out. Turn to Matthew 24 for me. We're in part two of a series, kind of taking three weeks. We've got one more to go. Uh, Just looking at, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Trying to to ask the question, what... Where are we at in the timeline of eternity? Where are we at? You know, a, a lot of questions, especially during the season. You see the things happening, I see, that, that for people that know some of the scripture, or God's like, what's going on, God? You don't have to even know scripture to ask that question. In the world today, in fact, sadly, you turn on the news, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, just a couple days ago, you see that the tragic news of, of an attack on a bunch of Egyptian worshipers, over 300 killed, and it's like, that's just common. And we should never just, just dismiss that as being just, just the time that we live in. We need to understand the times that we live in and need to live our life in a way that we can reach as many people for Jesus. We don't live in fear. Here's what we don't do. We don't live in fear. We don't cower and hide and isolate ourselves. And we don't sit idly by either and do nothing and just, well, hate it for them and just, you know, take care of me and mine. We have a mission to be on. And in fact, we want to be even more purposeful and intentional about the season that we're in and being on mission because, you know, the end is near. And I, I, I don't say that in just a kind of a scary, spooky kind of way, but the reality is that we're in a, a unique generation and a unique season or moment of time on the end time narrative. And so we just got to be prepared. Amen? Yeah. So we want to live with purpose and intentionality. And that's my heart. My hope is to help us understand where we are in eternity and then what we need to be doing. So Matthew 24, 36 says this, is Jesus talking, uh, but about that day or his return, or hour, no one knows, nobody knows. And I went over that last week and we will next week. Nobody knows. Doesn't matter what they tell you on the news reports, people predicting things, nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the sun. Jesus doesn't even know. He's waiting for the Father to send him. He's ready anytime. He's just waiting on God to give him the word. And so we need to live our life like he's coming today. But it really feels like we're in a unique generation, one that could see the return of Jesus. I don't want to review last week, but go back and we talked about some specific things that will help us understand the uniqueness of the time that we live in. Uh, First Chronicles says this, in 12, giving a shout out to the men of Issachar, because the men of Issachar were men who understood the times, understood the times that they live in, and therefore knew what they are to do. And that's what we're trying to do through this series, understand the times we live in, and therefore know what we are to do, again, because there's things we need to be about. So let's start today back in the book uh, of Matthew. You can turn to Matthew 24 for me. And this is where Jesus talks about the end times. In fact, uh, take some time later and go back and read the whole chapter, chapter 24. Jesus is talking about the end times here. But in chapter 24, he mentions uh, something uh, about, he talks about referring back to the book of Daniel. So I want to look at that. We're going to spend some time in Matthew 24 and then in Daniel this morning. But the book of Daniel, the last six chapters of the book that Jesus talks about, um, really are end time prophecies. There's, there's 12 chapters in Daniel. The first part of the book is great. I mean, you need to read Daniel, how you're to live your life and, and not compromising in the culture that you're in and not bowing down to other idols. And that's where we get Daniel and the lion's den, a great story of faith and God's protection. But the last part of Daniel, the last six chapters are prophetic. And those are speaking of things to come. Now, we've seen some of those already come to pass, which we'll talk about, and some that haven't yet. Again, we'll talk about that because it helps us understand the times that we live in so we know how we are to live. So let's take a look here in uh, Matthew 24, 3. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, hey, Jesus, tell us. 
When will all this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What's that going to look like? Give us some signs that we'll know that the time of your coming is near. And Jesus gives us a list of signs in Matthew 24. And many generations actually reading this list as we read it, we'll see, um, thought that they were the generation to see the return of Jesus because different things had happened or were happening. But what's unique to our generation, we see all these things happening at one time. And then even beyond. So they were things that, that would happen, well, maybe because this happened. No, listen, we see all these things happening at the same time. And then some things that are unique to our generation, like technology, etc. And so um, one of the best guesses was World War II. And one of the scriptures will talk about wars and rumors of wars. And so they thought, that's the war to end all wars, right? That's what they talked about. And then when it came to the Antichrist, they thought, well, that's Hitler. It makes sense. We might could, generations were, were kind of attributing things like that. But again, we're unique in the way that we see all these things happening at the same time. So let's take a look in um, Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Now, I'm just going to tell you this morning, it would be great to get the live notes. I'm going to get really teachy this morning because I want you to understand some things because it will help us know the time that we live in. And then I'll bring it around at the end. But I don't know about you, this, these things are fascinating to me and I can get bogged down in detail. I don't want to do that, but I do want to present some things to you this morning. So hang in there with me and we'll provide application at the end because it's not just information that changes us, it's application. Amen. So let's look at some things. Matthew 24, 4 through 15, Jesus is giving signs of the times in response to the question from his disciples. Jesus answered them and said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, we see that all the time, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And it goes on to say, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Persecutions at an all-time high around the world. At that time, many will turn away. When he says, many will turn away from the faith and betray me and hate each other, those are people that are already following the teachings of. He says, in this days, they will turn away from the teachings of God. We see that happen. So that's believers turning away from the teachings of God, betray and hate each other goes on to say this, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, we see that, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Can we go back? Let's stop right there for a second, 14. As a testimony to all nations, last week we said it's not geographic locations or boundaries as we understand it to be. It's the word ethnos, which means ethnic groups or people people groups. Actually, there's people groups within ethnic groups. You could have a particular ethnic groups and have several hundred people groups under that. So all people groups around the world, we are in an age that's unique to any other. That list up to this point in time, most people, depending on when they lived on the planet, could think that the return of Jesus was near. But again, for things like this to happen, they could happen today because of technology, right? Digital technology, satellite technology, all the nations or all the people groups rather of the earth now actually have the ability to hear the gospel of the good news. And we're supporting, strategically supporting an, a missionaries targeting an unreached people group. So anymore, there could be uh, where you see Bible schools, you, you realize today, you can have a whole Bible school on your phone. So there's a way to train and teach people now that 
is unique to this generation. So we see that happening. Okay, let's go on to the next verse. So when you see standing in the holy place, now listen to this scripture, because this is, he's talking about now uh, Daniel, the, a prophecy in Daniel. So when you see standing in the holy place, or the, the temple, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, Daniel, let the reader understand. You need to understand the times. What Jesus was speaking to is a prophetic word in Daniel, which we'll look at in a minute, and he uses these same words Daniel does, and Jesus is quoting them. So Jesus really here for us is validating the prophecy in Daniel. Now understand, you can think, well, that's just, yeah, that sounds good. That's back in the day. Can I tell you, we're, we're right in Christmas season. And I love Christmas. And I love celebrating Jesus. Do you realize there's probably, I think, 300 plus prophecies that spoke to the birth of a Savior? That all came through. All came to be when Jesus was born. Every single one of them. So wouldn't it stand to reason that prophecy in the Scripture is true? If those came true, which we're going to celebrate them all here, if those came true, then we're looking at all these other prophecies coming true. So Jesus, again, there is also validating the prophetic word that Daniel brought. Now, again, Daniel, the last half of Daniel is a very prophetic book. He says this, if we could put verse 15 back up for just a second. He talks about this. Let me explain it for a second. So when you see standing in the holy place, he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He says, abomination that causes desolation. That's, again, a phrase out of Daniel. And this refers to a point in time. I want us to understand the times we're living in. It it refers to a point in time during the seven years of tribulation. We talked a little bit about that word, tribulation. A very a very difficult, very hard time. God's judgments poured out on the earth, a seven-year period of time. And during that time, it talks about halfway mark, the halfway mark are three and a half years. The Antichrist, I want you to see the times that we're living in, will put a statue of himself in the temple at Jerusalem. And when he does this, it's called the abomination that causes desolation. And so when we look at Daniel, we understand that Jesus is referring to the same thing and validating it. So I want us to understand it a little bit. Again, it could be a little teachy, but hang in there with me. Um, so let's take a look now in Daniel. So go ahead and turn to Daniel 9, 24 through 27. So here it starts out in verse 24. It says this, 77s. Now, depending on the translation you have, it says 77s. And when it says 77s, it might refer to weeks. The word weeks might even be used. But that word sevens, 77s, literally in the, in the Hebrew language means set of sevens. So translated, interpreted, it's 70 sets of seven, okay? So 70 sets of seven years. So 70 sets of seven years is how much? 70 times seven. 490, right? I might math, I'm not here to do math at church, my goodness, so I come to church. <laughs> Escape it, right? So 70 sets of seven, this is how the prophecy is given um, to Daniel, so he's trying to describe it. Seventy sets of seven years are decreed for your people and your, and your holy city to, be, to finish transgression, to be put to an end to sin, atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint, anoint the most holy place. No one understand this. Now, this is important. We need to learn this. Why is this important to me? Because it helps us understand the days we're living in so we know how to live, okay? So understand this. From, time, uh, from the time the, world, the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, capital A, capital O, the anointed one, the ruler comes. Who are they speaking of? Jesus is the anointed one. So from the time the temple, I mean Jerusalem is rebuilt, the time that the anointed one will come, there will be seven sets of seven 
seven sevens, 49 years, and 62 sets of seven years, or 434 years. It will be rebuilt. In other words, the temple, or Jerusalem, in its entirety, will be rebuilt over the period of 49 years. And if you look, not in the Bible, but if you look in historical writings, it took 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem in its entirety. Now, it took 52 to build the walls, and you can look in uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, but it took 49 years to rebuild. So look, Daniel's, I mean, he's already prophesying things that we know to come true. So that came true. It took 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem in its entirety. And then it says the 62 sets of seven years, it goes on to say that, let's keep reading. After 62 seven sets of seven years, the anointed one, Jesus, will be put to death. His prophecy was 434 years 62 times seven sets of years when Jesus was crucified. So he prophesied in sets of sevens that when, how long it would take to rebuild Jerusalem and when Jesus would be crucified. So he goes on to say this, after the 62 sets of seven years, the anointed one, Jesus, will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary the, the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed rather again in AD 70. The end will come like a flood, war will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Verse 27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, one set of seven years. So we have seven sets of seven, 62 sets of seven, and seven plus 62 is 69. <laughs> And we started the passage saying 70 sets of seven. So we're one set of seven short. Do you get that? Do you see that there? We are one set of seven short. Now he's talking about that missing set of sevens. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, that final seven that we don't have yet. In the middle of seven, he'll put an end to offering and sacrifice. And the temple, and at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation, what Jesus was talking about, until the end that is decreed to pour out on him. What he's saying is he is referring, some will say the prince, some, it'll, it'll talk about, it's referring to the Antichrist, will come in modern day terms, will make a peace treaty with Israel and the Palestinians, and in that peace treaty, Israel is, um, can rebuild the temple, and they want to get back into the temple and do sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. And the peace treaty gives them the ability to do that. So here's the Antichrist that creates the peace treaty. Jerusalem, uh, the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem. Uh, the Israelites are able to go back and do sacrifices like they did before, because that was the promise for the treaty, for three and a half years. And then the Antichrist says, no, we're done. I'm not doing that anymore. I've changed my mind. And he puts a statue of himself, which is the abomination of the desolation, in the temple. So we're looking at a seven-year period, which we know to be the tribulation. So what Daniel's prophesying, and, and all these other prophecies have come true with the seven sets of seven, the 62 sets of seven, the missing set of seven, as Jesus was referring to, based on what Daniel was referring to, is that last missing set of seven, which speaks to the tribulation. Are you with me? Okay, these things are coming true. Where are we in time? Can I tell you? I don't know exactly, but we're getting closer and closer to that final set of sevens coming to pass. So we need to understand that. Why? Because then we need to know how we should live. <clears throat> My wife and I, we were in uh, Israel about a year and a half ago and just a, a life-changing trip. 
where blessed someone paid for us to go. It was just amazing. We took a tour of, uh, of one of the museums that was talking about the rebuilding of the temple and all the furniture that was, I'm fascinated by all that, and all the furniture that was in it. And they tell you on the tour and they discuss it that all, they know, they know that the temple will be rebuilt. And in fact, they have already created, built all the furniture that is to go in there to the specifics of the scripture. They're just waiting for this to happen. It's already all been done. All the things have been built. It's in storage, ready for the word, the treaty to be signed to get in there and set that back up again. So we're getting closer and closer to those days. And so it's the missing set of seven. So let me summarize it this way to help you understand. So there's 70 sevens equal four, uh, 490 years of prophecy. We talked about that, 70 sevens. Okay, 483 of those 490 have already been fulfilled, leaving seven years yet. And the tribulation is a seven-year period that the Bible talks about. Let's take a look at it this way. Where's that next... 49 years, rebuild Jerusalem, seven sevens. 434 years later, 62 sevens, Jesus gave his life. Seven years of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Now, unless you just don't believe the Bible, and there are many that don't, this will come true. It will. The other has, there's other prophecies in Daniel, you can go read those for yourself that have already come true, but we don't need to talk about all those because that's the past. We're looking ahead to the future, Amen. And so we're in a time and season that we could see this happen, come to pass. And so it's important because Daniel talked about it, Jesus talked about it, Paul talked about it, Peter talked about it. Uh, now, most of the book of Revelation is centered around these seven years. This last seven years that Daniel prophesied is found most of, them, most of Revelation, the book of Revelation is centered around the last seven years of tribulation. It's the last set of seven and so let me help you real quick with Revelation because that prophecy in Daniel, those six chapters, and Revelation, the book of Revelation, can be really complicated and can be really confusing. That's why you keep seeing things like understand so you know the times. And I want to help it make more sense to you just for the fact that we know the time. Now, the information is great. And honestly, I find this really interesting. I love it. I study it all the time. But if it doesn't change your life, it doesn't really matter. But it speaks to us on how we should live when we understand the times that we're in. So let me just help you real quick understand Revelation or break it down. You can go back and read the whole book. Let me, it's really 10 events that happened here. Let me give that to you really quick, help you understand it when you study it. And so the first thing um, it starts in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's called the church age. The church age is, reading chapter 2 and 3 is great for you to understand how you should live your life, period. It's seven warnings or instructions to seven, the seven churches speaking to all of us now on how we should live our life. That's chapter 2 and 3, the church age. The second thing you find is the rapture. You find that in Revelation 4. Now, some people don't agree with this theology. In fact, a lot of people don't. But I believe we talked last week, the rapture literally is Jesus snatching, or God snatching his church out of the earth. Snatching his, bri uh, snatching his church out of the earth. And, and let, me, let, me, let me say this. I believe it happens before the tribulation. Because I don't believe that he wanted us or intended for us to go through God's judgment on the earth. In fact, let me just give you my thought here. When you read Revelation 2 and 3, you keep, saying, you keep hearing these words, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. You get to Revelation 4.1, you get beyond it. You don't hear that anymore. And I believe it's because the church is no longer here. It's been snatched away. Now, you can agree or disagree. That's okay. I don't, I'm not going to try and make it. That's okay. Because those of you that are saved will be in heaven one day. But I personally, I'm going up on the first group. I'm not waiting for the tribulation. I'm, I'm just, First elevator going up. First elevator, that's me. I'm just, okay. 
So the taking away of the church, the rapture, okay, uh, the next part you'll see is the rise of the Antichrist. You keep hearing those words, you've seen movies, hear all that. Revelation 6 is the rise of the Antichrist, and that's what Daniel saw. The peace treaty and all that begins all that. Uh, the next section you'll see is the tribulation. That's that seven-year period, the last set of sevens, seven years of God's judgment on the earth. Now, people will get saved during that time, but that tribulation period is covered Revelation 6 through Revelation 19. So the majority of the book of Revelation speaks, come on, go back to Daniel, it speaks to that last set of seven years, okay, 6 to 19, okay? Uh, The next thing you see is the second coming of Christ where he comes to defeat the enemy and comes to establish his kingdom. He comes back to defeat, it's not the rapture, he comes back to defeat the devil on the earth. Jesus returns and, and triumphs over evil. The next thing you see immediately after that is the marriage supper of the lamb. There's gonna, once Jesus comes back with his church and he defeats the devil, there's gonna be a big party. A big party. You wanna be there at the table, can I tell you? You wanna be there, part of that big party. He comes and celebrates. You see that in Revelation 19. The next thing is the millennium. The millennium is a thousand year reign. That's when Jesus comes to the earth with the church, sets up his kingdom, and you can imagine the earth being ruled and reigned by Jesus for a thousand years. Come on. Come on, you don't need a vote for that. That's like, yeah, we'll take that. A thousand year reign. You're not going to be floating around in heaven, you know, in the angel choir, playing the harp, all that. You're going to be back with Jesus as he sets up a millennial reign. And then for whatever reason, the Bible says that the devil's loosed on the earth again. It's the last rebellion. And then I think it's, most people believe, uh, scholars believe, because during that time of the millennium, the people that are born on the earth, they need an opportunity to choose Jesus for themselves. So the enemy will come back, he'll be allowed to come back, and they'll make a decision there during the last rebellion. Uh, the, last, the next passage, rather, is the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20. You can see all this on the screen. I don't have time to break all this down. Revelation 20, and that's when at that point in time, where those that have rejected Christ, if I could say it this way, get their day in court. But if your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there is only one result. But that's the great white throne judgment. That's not for believers. We, we have eternity in, in store for us. And then uh, with, with God, number 10, the last thing you'll see is eternity described. Revelation 21 through 22. And that's when there's a new heaven, new earth. The earth is recreated the way God originally intended. And that's just where we live the rest of our life in complete perfectness and enjoying everything that God intended for mankind. Can I tell you, that's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. Now. Some of you are like, come on, seriously, it's like a sci-fi kind of script or something right there. And people have attempted some things on that. But can I tell you, all these prophecies line up. And you can discount that and all. But listen, when all these prophecies like the seven sevens are fulfilled and the 62 sevens are fulfilled, there's no reason to believe that the last seven is not going to be fulfilled. And all the things as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate 300 prophecies coming to pass in the birth of Jesus. It's no different. See, you can believe this not to be true, but it's true whether you believe it to be true or not. But we need to understand, we're getting close to that time. Prophecy is coming together all at the same time. We live in a unique time, a unique generation that could be the generation of the return of Jesus. So I, I, wanted, I wanted you to know how it all plays out, and there's so much more. We could spend so much more time on it. And it's interesting, but if it doesn't change our life, it doesn't mean much. We need to understand how to live. So the value is our life being changed. So let's go back to the last chapter of Daniel. Daniel 12, the last chapter in Daniel. Let's look at verses one through four. The end times, at, at, it talks about the end times. At that time, Michael, the archangel Michael, 
uh, the great prince who protects your people, who protects us and our prayers, will arise. There'll be a time of distress, such as not happened. Now, talking about the seven year, the missing seven se- set of sevens, tribulation, there'll be such a time that has never existed from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book of life, will be delivered. Again, the reason why I don't believe the church is going to be here through the tribulation, because everyone whose name's written in the book won't be here, it talks about. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. <clears throat> those who are wise, listen, hold on to that word, those who are wise understand the times, understand how to live, will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those, who, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Come on, I love that, because that means you and I need to understand the times and know how we are to live so that the life, love, and power of Christ can shine brighter and brighter in these darker and darker days, and we can lead many to righteousness or Jesus. We need to know the times so we can do our job so we can be on mission. Not waste or squander our time on the planet because time is short, so we need to shine brighter and brighter. Tree of life, we need to shine even brighter. Why? So we can lead many to righteousness. Many. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal and seal the words to the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Many are looking and seeking other things and things. Can I say this? We need to be a people who get it. We need to be a church who get it, who will shine because they'll lead many to righteousness. That's why we exist. We do not exist for us. We exist for people who are not here yet. We exist for the unchurched, the de-churched, those that don't know who Jesus is. We have to do everything we can to reach people, to lead people to righteousness. We have to, why? Time is short. We don't know he can come today, he can come 100 years from now. But we need to live as wise. And knowing that he is coming again and knowing that we have work to do. That's why we have to do everything we can to reach more people here and around the world. That's why you see outreaches. We're going to increase outreaches. Why? Because we want to shine brighter and brighter and lead people to more righteousness. We want to increase our missions. Why? Because they're lost and they need the gospel to shine bright so they can be led to righteousness. Then we want to connect people together. We have to connect the body together for the end time harvest and the end time mission. We need a generation that's going to shine bright and lead more to righteousness. Like the stars forever and ever, that's what this life is all about about. That's why we need to understand or be wise at the time so we know how to live. The end of time is coming near. Are we there yet? We're close. Daniel 12 verses 8 through 10, New Living Translation. I heard what he said, but I do not understand what he meant. Come on, that's why I picked that scripture because that's probably a lot of us. What? Yeah, okay, so he did too. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will this all finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the end of time. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Church, we need to be wise. We need to understand. We don't need to continue to be caught up in wickedness. We need to be the ones that will shine bright and lead people to righteousness. Need to be wise. Second Peter three ten through twelve. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what? And here's the question. Here's the question. What kind of people ought you be? 
What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Holy doesn't mean perfect, by the way. When you study holy, it means set apart, separated. We need to be set apart from the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. We need to be wise and know, especially during this time, we should not look like the world because if we look like the world, why would they want what we have? We need to set apart and shine brighter. We need to be set apart. We need to do what God's asked us to do. As you look forward to the day of God, and listen to this, I love this, and speed his coming. Do you realize that if we're wise and understand the times and live as we ought, holy and godly, that our light will shine brighter and brighter and we can lead many more to righteousness? And as we lead more to righteousness, it speeds the coming of Christ? Oh, I just wish he would come sooner. Man, things are in bad shape. Well, then you know what? Get to work. Let's, let's take another unreached people group and target them and support missionaries. Let's get out there and evangelize our communities and our outlying areas. Let's get out there and do more outreach so more people will know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. Let's come together collectively and be a brighter, brighter, brighter star shining so more people can come to the knowledge of Jesus, be led to righteousness. We can speed the coming of Jesus. I love that. If we will get to work and do what we're supposed to do, as we'll, we'll speed the coming of Jesus. That's why we need to be a church on mission. That's why we need to cut away things that aren't on mission. We need to be a church on mission. Reach as many people as we can. Connect as many people as we can. Three points to close real quick. Number one, and I, I, before I get there, this the application part. I hope that helped. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a lot to ingest. And I get it. I understand it. I know it. But it's true. It's true. The Bible speaks to it all throughout Scripture. It doesn't contradict itself. It all lines up together, supports itself, proves itself. So let me give you three things because information without application does not bring transformation. And so let's learn how do we apply our life here. Number one, follow God, not culture. Follow God, not the world. Every day we make decisions which way we're going to go. Are we sitting on the fence? Or how, I mean, I know we make mistakes. Let's be quick to repent. But let's be more and more intentional in making choices to follow God. I mean, in fact, we'll take care of that today for many. To make sure we're following God. Culture changes constantly. God does not change. We need to be wise. Follow God. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we make good choices every day. Not, not, not perfect, but may we be quick to repent and get back on track with things of God. Number two, be ready for Christ's return. Be ready. Be aware. Be wise. Understand the times. Matthew 24, 42 says this, therefore keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But he is coming. I, I shared this at the end of uh, second service last week. I didn't first service, but I did today. I mean, if you heard it again, I'm just going to say it again, repeat it. Jesus is the groom coming for his bride. That's why he's at the right hand of the Father. I'm ready for my bride. <laughs> I'm ready to spend time with my, and he's like, hold on there. And the scripture even says God's not slow in what he's doing, but he's wanting more and more people to come to the knowledge of him, right? Hold on, wait, one more son, one more, hold on son, one more, hold on. I know you want to go get your bride. But what should we be doing 
as the bride on this end. And I, I, I know thinking back to, I've, I've been involved in so many weddings, just a few weeks, so many weddings. In fact, I saw her th- this morning. And all the preparation that goes in, all the planning that goes in to that wedding day, I think about it in those terms. And think about this. Think about Jesus the groom and we're the bride. What is the bride doing waiting for the groom? Planning, being prepared. And I said this last week, I'll say it again. And one of the things that the bride does not do while waiting for the groom to come the bride doesn't date other people while waiting for the groom. Come on. He's first. He's first. And I don't mean that ugly or hard, but there's so many other things that we're putting first. We're dating our jobs. We're dating hobbies. We're dating other people. We're dating our, you know, our own wants and desires. We need to be ready for the return of the groom, for him to come and get the bride. Number three, make the most of this life. Make the most of the time that you have. Make the most of the fact that you may be of the generation that sees the return of Jesus. Listen, we're blessed. We said that last week. We live in the greatest country. We live in the greatest state. But listen, on its best day, it pales in comparison to heaven. But we're blessed. But life is not about this life. This life is about making the biggest difference you can for the life that is to come. We just looked at a timeline in Revelation that it's it's for eternity. Eternity is a whole lot longer than the short span that we have here on the planet. So we're not really living for this life. So don't get so attached to earth. We're living for the life that is to come. So we're to use who God's created us to be. We're to use our gifts, abilities, talents, and treasure for eternity. So we need to do everything we can to get as many people as we can to heaven. Understand this. God strategically put you and I in the most unique generation of all time yet. Think about that. God could have put you anywhere in time, but he put you now on a time that we're the first generation that could see Israel. We may, we may not, but listen, he put you here right now, close to the end on purpose, for purpose. So what are we doing? Are we making the biggest impact we can for others to reach them, for our light to shine bright so we can lead people to righteousness? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Make the most of every opportunity you have to shine bright and lead somebody to righteousness, impact somebody's life. It's why you're here and time is short. So people will know that there is a God in heaven that loves them and he's coming again to get them. Let's be wise and let's make some decisions on how we will live our life. Let's get our life in order and serve God and get ready for his return. And let's be a church that does everything we can to reach as many people as we can. Shine as bright as we can to lead as many people to righteousness as possible. Amen? That's why we're here. My heart, my hope, and I know there was a lot to digest this morning. But my hope was it continues to help us understand the unique time that we live and then for us to know how we should live during this time. I know he's coming soon. I don't know the day or the hour, but by the signs that I see, he's coming soon and we have work to do. We want to be a follower of Jesus in a church that shines brighter and brighter every day and leads more and more people to righteousness because one day it'll be too late. Let's not squander or waste our time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart this morning was to help us be motivated and encouraged by the times that we live in. Help us look at our life in light of eternity and know that we're not to live for this time here, but to live for the time that is to come and reach people for Jesus. People are what really matters. It's the only thing that can go to heaven. 
We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.